Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to tonight's show. Yeah, I do. So I hope that you've had a good day. Today, what I want to do is I want to start out the show by reading you um, a few verses from Romans chapter 16. I was reading the book of Romans this morning, and there was some really interesting things in that book. Uh, But there was one thing that really stood out, and I thought, you know, I want to share this with you. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we are a community. Yeah, we are. We are a community of brothers and sisters in Jesus, in the faith. And we are a community all around the world that tunes into the show, right? I mean, there are some of you that watch us way over there in Australia, New Zealand, and England. Some of you watch us in Tennessee. Some of you watch us in Illinois. Some of you watch us in California, Texas, other places, Florida, you know, New York, Minnesota. There's lots of you out there. And for that, I'm very grateful. And so as I was reading today in Romans 16, Paul had the following to say. All right, I'm going I'm to stop that and then I'm going to read you what he had to say. Check this out. So... After a very lengthy letter Paul wrote to the Romans, um, he ends the letter in Romans 16 by saying this. He says, I recommended to you our sister Phoebe, who is the servant of the church, which is at Centuria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. I love this. Okay, I have to, I just have to say, I mean, this chapter gets ignored. (laughs) Goes on to say, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also to all the churches of the Gentiles, also greet the church that is in their house. Greet a Apenitus. I'm going to guess that's how you say that. Epinetus, and maybe that's it. Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. So I have to tell you this. This is why I want to read you this because here's here's Paul, uh, who wrote this letter to the Romans and. You know, he's he's writing this letter to explain um, basically the law and grace and and anyway, and all this other stuff. But at the very end, in the couple chapters prior, he talks about how he wants to come to Rome, but he couldn't because he was directed other places and eventually he was able to make it to Rome and. Um, and, and we know if you've studied the life of Paul, you know, you probably look at his missionary journey and you could see, you know, where he went and stuff. And, um, and we know he went to Asia, right? And so here it says, greet Epinetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. I just thought that was cool. I thought, how cool is it that the very first person ever converted to Jesus in Asia is mentioned in the Bible? I just think that's so cool. Um, and then it says here, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet, uh, Andronicus and Junia, my kinsfolk and my fellow prisoners. So we know those two were in jail with Paul who are outstanding in the view of the apostles who were also in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Uh, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ and, and stakes, stack. Yes, my beloved. I don't know if I'm saying these names right, but I'm sure I'm not. But anyway, greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. 
<laughs> greet Herodian, my kinsmen. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphania and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. Also his mother and mine. I thought that was kind of cool that, you know, Paul is saying, hey, greet my mom. Greet Asenacritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, and Hermas, and the brothers and sisters with them. I know I'm butchering their names, sorry, but whatever. Greet Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And, and I just wanted to share that because... Um, I think every word of God is inspired, right? And I was, you know, I, 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 sent, I sent somebody an email today, and in the email I was sharing about how I think we're all writing our own Gospels, right? So there's the Gospel of Stacy, the Gospel of Bareface, you know, um, your, whatever your name is, the Gospel of you. And I was thinking, you know, how kind of cool it is to be writing you know, when you write emails to one another and you're sharing gospel truth in them, you know, you're writing a letter, you're saying, hey, so-and-so, you know, this is what I'm reading today in God's word. This is what I got out of God's word when I read it today. Um, and I thought, how cool that Paul had this, um, so much of a love for the Lord but but also the body. I didn't go through here and actually count how many names he listed. But there's quite a few names, obviously, I misread and couldn't quote wrote, couldn't say right, that he listed there. And, and each one of these people has a story, right? Each, each one of these believers had a testimony that Paul thought was worthy to add at the end of the book. And, and then in verse 21, it says, I, Tertius who have written this letter, greet you in the Lord. And this is kind of neat too, because we know that Paul often at the end of his letters, he'll say, and I wrote this with my own hand. So we know that those letters that the church got was literally written by Paul. But here we see Tur Tertius. I don't know if that's how you say it, but here I'm just going to say it's Tertius wrote the letter for Paul. And he, oh, and by the way, I also greet you in the Lord. So again, here is somebody who was sitting next to the Paul and hearing Paul teach and write that letter. And he wrote it down, you know, cause I don't know about you, but like lately I've read in Isaiah and, and revelation and other books that are, that are a little bit longer. And, and I'm like, man, how long did it take to write this? I mean, have you sat down lately and wrote a 16-page letter to somebody with your hand? Probably not. And in those days, it was probably a little more hard than it is today to do it, uh, just because I'm sure paper and pen and all that wasn't as easy to get as we get it today. Um, so I just wanted to share that first, because as uh, beloved, as cherished believers in Christ. You each have a role. You each have a specific gifting and calling that God has given you for the body of Christ. And, um, and you come to this program because the Holy Spirit led you here, I'm sure. And, you know, for whatever reason, our parts of the body are connected and we're connected to build one another, build one another up in the faith. So, uh, so I would encourage you go check out Romans 16, check out all the different people that Paul was uh, greeting. And, and if you're like me, kind of like to think about like, who are these people? What were, would they look like? You know, uh, what did they think of Paul when they met him and how, how did they support him and, and all that. But clearly Paul loved these people just like, you know, we love one another. Um, and, and again, I just, I just thought it was totally cool that, um, Epinetus was mentioned as the first convert to Christ from Asia here in the book of Romans. And that's in verse five of chapter 16, uh, 16, five, check that out. Um, and, and that's cool. Cause you know, what other countries do we know who the first convert to Christianity was in 
New York? Probably not, but we do in Asia because it's written down for all the world to know. So, and, and think about that. I mean, think about it. This guy, Epinatus. Have you been to Asia lately? Do you know how many believers are in Asia? Just saying. Can you, I mean, that's the fruit of that guy's ministry right there. I mean, I, I have no doubt. So anyway, so I want to say hi. I want to greet you. I see a couple of you over on Periscope. Uh, Janet, Natasha, how are you? I'm glad that you're there. Um, I'm going to, I don't know. I got to go somewhere else to, to see anybody else, if anybody else is here. Um, and once I find out who those are, I'll say hi to you. And then we're going to talk tonight about some LGBT issues. I haven't talked about these issues in a long time, but now that President Biden is in office, we're going to have a lot more opportunity to uh, do that. And um, so if you're on YouTube or you're on Facebook, uh, feel free to say hi and then I can say hi to you. Otherwise, I can't. And I'll say a generic hi, people. Hello, people. <laughs> uh, and of course, I know some of you have already shared, and I want to thank you for sharing that too as well. So I see a couple of you over on YouTube. Don't see any comments yet, but I see a couple of you there. So hope that you are uh, going to stay for the show. And I'm trying to get over here on Facebook and see if I can say hi to anybody if you're there. Um, yeah, it looks like out of the 3,700 likes on Facebook, Facebook has let eight people see the show that it came out. So yeah, we're not being hidden or anything because eight people Facebook is letting us see. Yeah. So hopefully once that page loads, then I can say hi. If you guys have said hi, Phyllis. Okay. Phyllis is there. Hi, Phyllis. I love Phyllis. Phyllis is awesome. And, uh, also a legal shield person like me. So that's kind of cool. All right. All right. Well, if I see any other comments later, I will, I will try to go back and say hi. So let's look at, um, uh, let's look at some of the news that has recently come out. Um, let's see. Where are you moving to N5 here? And I am not moving to Twitter. Well, I am, I actually am not going to go on HAPS. Uh, I'm staying, of course, on Facebook and we're on YouTube. Most people, I, okay, so that's a good question. So where are we going after March, basically, is the question you want to ask? Okay, so Randall and I have been praying about putting our program actually in a Christian media platform. So we're looking at one place. We're looking at Light Source, um, And we've been looking at a couple other places uh, as far as Christian media platforms to go. So... Um, I'm not going to HAPS because HAPS will own part of my content. I don't want that. And I also know that even though they're supposedly conservative right now, I don't trust them as far as I could throw them because I read their terms and I don't agree with their terms. Because part of their terms talk about hate speech and it's subjective. So I suspect on HAPS, if I were to do a show like this one I'm doing tonight, Somebody would there would report it as hate speech. My show would be banned anyway. So I don't trust taps as far as I could throw it, even though I know some people are on it. Um, and and um, also, uh, we're just feeling led to, to go into an actual Christian, well-established platform. And we're also going to probably start putting some ads up on Facebook and YouTube. And we also are going to have, we're going to be launching a mobile app uh, with Back to the Bible uh, which I talked a little bit about in my Facebook group, Daily Disciples, a while back. And we're working on getting that put in there so that people uh, have that. And then, of course, this is just part of what we do. We do Bible studies. We're doing discipleships. I'm actually doing some coaching and counseling to, with some people as well. Um, so that's all kind of an extension of that. Um, so just pay attention to, to what we're doing and you'll know where we're at. So you can always get on my email list, BibleNewsRadio.com. You can sign up there. Uh, and if you're not on my text message list, that's really the best place to be because that's where I communicate the most with my people is on my text message list. So you can keep watching the ticker and you'll be able to figure out how to sign up for that there. Okay, let's go over to Americans for Truth's website. So my friend Peter LaBarbera, who um, is probably, in my mind, one of the top five experts on homosexuality and the homosexual agenda in America. Um, 
he has a website called Americans for Truth. Um, his ministry is Americans for Truth about homosexuality. And he's one of the very few people out there who has um, been on the forefront of this for 20 plus years, uh, exposing the lobby, going to gay pride parades, uh, doing, doing the underbelly work that, frankly, a lot of people couldn't stomach and are not called to, but he is. He, and, you know, and the thing is, he gets such a bad rap uh, because the gay lobby has maligned him and, and characterized him in such a bad way uh, because they're vicious people. I mean, they truly are. Um, and that's just what happens when you're not saved. You're, you know, that you're just, you're, they're vicious. They really are. I mean, I could tell you stories. I won't, but I will. I could. Um, I met Peter. He's a sweetheart. He's got a he's got a wife and I think five children. He lives in the Chicago area. Um, and you know, he's taken it on the chops. He's gone to jail for his faith up in Canada because he stood with other brothers up there, uh, when they were being persecuted for, for just saying homosexuality is a sin. So he wrote on his blog, um, the following Twitter temporarily suspends La Barbara, for questioning transsexuality after Biden appoints trans activist Dr. Rachel Levine to HHS. It says here, uh, when society reaches the point where you're deemed anathema, if you simply point out that a man can't really become a woman and vice versa, then it is safe to say that unless there's a popular revolt against this woke nonsense, we're toast. Hashtag trans insanity. Hashtag Rachel Levine. Uh, then it says Twitter post by at Peter LaBarbera, January 19th, 2021, deemed, quote, hateful conduct and ordered removed by the social media platform. So this is no shock to anybody who knows anything about Twitter and how gay Twitter is. Uh, but it says here, his Pete's article goes on to say, uh, social media giant Twitter demanded January 19th the removal of an allegedly, quote, hateful, unquote, tweet by Americans for Truth President Peter LaBarbera questioning transgender ideology that a man can become a woman. And those are in quotes. Following the appointment by President Biden, and he puts a, an asterisk by president because just like a lot of people don't accept this as a valid presidency, <laughs> I think that's kind of what that means to him uh, of a male to female transsexual Dr. Rachel, formerly Richard Levine to a high level post at the department of health and human services. Dr. Levine, a pediatrician and father of two who divorced his wife of 30 years as he transitioned to the gender identity of transgender woman was appointed by Biden to be the assistant secretary of health at HHS. He will need to be confirmed by the U S Senate to take the position. Below is the removed tweet notice that twi Twitter sent LaBarbera suspending him for 12 hours for posting this tweet that allegedly violates the social media's corporation's hateful conduct policy. So there you go. You guys can see where it says remove tweet there. Um, and because I'm sharing this on YouTube, I probably will be banned. The show will probably be taken off. <laughs> I know I have people in the community who report our show, just so you know, I do know that for a fact. Whatever. Uh, below is the text of the tweet, which Reporting I already read. News. Uh, it says here, Twitter has ramped up its banishments, expulsions, and censorship of conservative accounts following ongoing claims by former President Trump that he actually won the election on November 3rd, but was robbed by massive Democrat electoral fraud in six battleground states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. See former Trump official and Harvard econom economist, rather, Peter Navarro's reports making the comprehensive case that the election was stolen. And you can you can click that right there. More fake news. Yeah. After hundreds of pro-Trump zealots rioted at the U.S. Capitol January 6th as a massive pro-Trump Stop the Steal rally in Washington, D.C. was going on with Trump speaking, Twitter shut down the sitting president's Twitter account. And what many conservatives and even some foreign leaders regarded as an extraordinarily galling act of corporate arrogance, Facebook also suspended Trump and later Twitter permanently banned the 45th president. Democrats have sought to blame Trump for allegedly, quote, inciting, unquote, the capital inc inc incursion 
as an insurrection, but in his DC rally speech, he called on his followers to peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol, where some Republican lawmakers were challenging the election returns from the battleground states tainted by voter fraud. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, anyway, so you can go ahead, you can read the rest of that. Just go to americansfortruth.com. You can check out more of what Pete has written. I can personally vouch for Pete, Peter LaBarbera. He is an honorable man of integrity. He's got probably one of the biggest libraries documenting the LGBT agenda. Uh, and he's a sweetheart. I mean, he is one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. Uh, and yet the homosexual lobby and community... You know, they like to call him porno Pete and they call him a closeted gay. And they, I mean, they do, they're just vicious in their attack on him, uh, which, is, which is really sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's just sad. I mean, it's, it's, it's just sad. And yet this is where we have come as a nation. And I said this last night, I believe it to the core of my being. I talked to Bareface about it today as we were eating lunch. And, and I said, you know, I believe, I believe like in Daniel's time, we now in America are essentially a Babylon and we're in, we're, we have been taken into captivity. And we now as Christians, real Christians, not just Sinos, Christians in name only, but actual Bible believing disciples, remnant of Jesus Christ. We now are in a culture where the, the cards are stacked against us, right? And we're seeing the censorship all over social media platforms. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's not, we're, we're not in denial about it. It's real. I mean, my stuff is censored all the time. So we just have to, we have to make a choice. And I don't know about you, but my choice is to be obedient to Jesus first. You know? And I think that needs to be more of a focus in the church. I, I think that the more, was that because you wanted to say something or you want me to look at the camera? Neither. What was that for? You're trying to stretch? I was feeling if there was cool air coming out of the... Yes, I have the AC on. I thought maybe. Yeah. <laughs> because you're a woman in menopause. Back to your regular scheduled program. <laughs> Well, it's because I want our bedroom to be cooler when I sleep. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> hey, raise your hand if you're a woman in menopause and you're proud of it. Yeah, you are. Okay. Anyway. Um, so anyway, my going back to my point. My point here is that <laughs> instead of freaking out about what's going on in the world, which I know a lot of people are, read Psalm 37. I'm going to be doing a Bible study in that. Okay. You're going to have to sign up for it. It will help you out. I, I promise. Um, instead of freaking out about everybody being mad at you because you're a Christian or a conservative and all that, <sighs> thank Jesus that, first of all, there's enough fruit in your life to show that you have evidence of faith. <laughs> the people I worry about are the people who say, oh, yeah, I know God, I'm a Christian, blah, blah. But they're like not, there's nothing ever, like there's no... There's no persecution or anything that ever comes after them, you know? And I'm like, where's the evidence, man? It, do you have enough evidence in your life that you're a Christian or a conservative um, that you, you have an enemy or two? <laughs> I mean, I do. And, and it's not really that I have a ton of enemies, but... At the heyday of this show, I tell you what, every gay activist leader in this country knew who I was because I, I was, you know, it was a little bit harder and in your face back then. I'm a little bit middle-aged now and in menopause. So, um, but I, I think that um, we have to make a choice and, and I'm going to sound like a liberal here. Um, and that's not a pejorative, by the way. Uh, but I'm going to say something that I think more people associate with being liberal. And that is that um, there is, uh, 
Well, there's a couple, there's a couple of sayings. There's one saying that says that you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar, right? Okay. There's also another saying, and that is that you can catch just as many flies with poop as you can with vinegar. <laughs> My point is that, yes, we can be sweet and we can have a fragrant aroma about us that drag that drags people to us. Or we can do things like wrong and stinky and get the same result. Maybe it's because I'm older, more mature, and I wear sweaters now. Um, I just think that it's better to be more gracious and to be more loving in our approach and not so much in your face. So I'm not going to go, well, you know what? You're I'm not doing that. I'm not going to, I'm not going down that route, right? Not that I ever really did, but, but I remember my friend Sharon Hughes, she, uh, she hosts a show called Changing Worldviews. She still does to my knowledge. Uh, and she's probably about 20 years older than me. Uh, give or take, maybe 15, but she's, she is an older woman in the Lord. And I remember her telling me once, and I, I really took it to heart because I thought, you know, this is a woman who, um, is older. She's more seasoned politically. Um, she's been in, you know, Eagle forum and, you know, I, I really kind of looked up to her in a way. Um, and one of the things that she said to me, she said, you know, sometimes things that need to be spoken, you can speak them in one way, but there's, there's, there is a way of prudence that is lost in our culture, right? And so sometimes certain things, it's just not prudent to speak of certain behavior, right? Take, for example, sodomy, right? Now the word sodomy is an ugly word, if you think about it, okay? There used to be laws on the books against sodomy, that were overturned with Lawrence v. Texas a number of years ago. Sodomy is still a criminal act um, in the heterosexual community. Uh, it's still a sexual act that is deviant. Um, and there are some Christians who will just focus on that behavior and they'll hammer it and say, this is what homosexuality is all about. And this is this person, this is blah, blah. And they go on and on and on about it. And they paint this very graphic, brutal picture, because it is. Homosexual behavior is brutal. It's brutality to the body. And yet, part of our culture, when they look at the issue of homosexuality, the way that it's been marketed to us is as um, a... Mm, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um a brain issue. It's a feeling more than a behavior. It's like this is, it's in a, it's a, it's an identity as opposed to actual acts. That makes sense. So, so when somebody says that they're gay, most people go, oh, okay, that person was born that way. They have these feelings. They're attracted to the person of the same sex. Um, and, and that's, that's the story that they believe. But the reality is that's not how scripture defines it. Number one, it's, it's a story that's been told to the culture. You tell a story long enough, it becomes truth, right? I mean, it's not though, but here's the thing to, to the people who are involved in that, um, who are caught in that lie, the way to win that person isn't by clobbering them over the head with, with virulent language that is, you know, designed to provoke and, and insult, you know, um, I remember, I haven't shared, I don't think I've shared this story uh, on here, but I will now. Cause I, I don't really care. Cause it's, it was so long ago. I remember when I was in, I think I was in seventh grade or sixth grade. I think I was in sixth grade and I was in a sex ed class. Um, and I was sitting in the back of uh, the class. Um, yeah, I think I was in the back of the class and, you know, all the chairs were sitting next to each other and I was sitting there like this, right? Okay, there's another chair there. So I had one friend to the right, one friend to the left, and I was sitting with my arms around the backs of my friend's chairs. 
because that's just, you know, who I, who I am, I guess. Um, I was born that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was born putting my arms around people because I love people so much. But I remember somebody coming up to me afterwards telling me that I was gay because I had my arms around my girlfriends. And I was in sixth grade. So I, was, I, I remember thinking, why would you say that? Why? I mean, I'm not gay because I, cause I put my arm around my girlfriend. I mean, in sixth grade, typically you're still liking girls anyway. Girls like girls, boys like boys, cooties, you know what I'm saying? Um, of course, kids today are, are precocious even more so now than they were when, we, when I was younger. But I remember thinking how that hurt me. Uh, I'm very sensitive anyway, but I remember, I just remember thinking, man, that hurt my feelings. Um, and, and it bothered me because then I thought, am I gay? I mean, that person said I was gay. And, and then I was confused. And for me growing up, I was very confused anyway, because of my life growing up being abused sexually and having a mom hate me, you know, wasn't the ideal upbringing. You know, it was, it was designed to damage me emotionally. And that's people who struggle with their sexuality. There is some type of internal damage that has been done. It's not normal child development that takes place. And, and, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I never had any of that happen and I never had this happen, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And maybe that's true. But what I can tell you is that probably for the last 30 years, you're going to find more people that that hasn't happened to than, than the older research that shows that is part of the process of of embracing a homosexual or a gay identity. <clears throat> so how do we approach that person, right? Well, you approach them by loving them because God made them in his image. And if you know anything about research at all, one of the things I can tell you from the research is that most people who identify or think that they're gay at some point, most leave it, leave that feeling or that, that identity within a couple of years. You know, often there's just experimentation as well. That's a big part of, of unfortunately, part of growing up. You know, uh, I could tell you other stories, but I'm not going to, not today. But what I will say is that um, it's not uncommon for children who've been sexually abused to sexually experiment. Um, and with how sexually deviant our culture is today, I mean, it's, it's, it's abhorrent and shocking what children today have, like, go through. You know, I posted a, um, a cute little video of these three little boys whose mom videotaped them because one of the boys had written some marker all over the, the one boy. He had no shirt on, and he, ha he was colored in marker, magic marker. And I found that video so cute. <laughs> Because these children are, I don't know, maybe three and under. And and they're like, they look so guilty, right? I mean, they look completely like, you know, and they're, they got in trouble. But, but the one little boy is so cute because he's so sensitive. And, you know, he's like, well, I could just take a bath and take it off. And his mom's like, you're never going to have a marker in your hand again. <laughs> right on paper next time, you know. Anyway, it's just funny, right? So if, if something as little as having a marker like wrote on you and a kid can be so sensitive to that, how much more so when you're telling them who they are, right? You tell somebody who they are long enough, they believe it. And if it's done in a mean way, they believe it. If you tell somebody they're worthless, they're a piece of crap, you, you know, etc., People believe that. They, they take that identity. They take that label. And that's the thing. We take labels. We, all of us do, whether, whether or not you want to admit it or not. You, at, you have a, at some point accepted a label. Maybe somebody's called you fat. Maybe somebody's called you ugly. Maybe somebody's made, you, made fun of your hair. I've had that a lot. Um, you know, whatever. Or maybe somebody said, oh, you're a genius. Oh, you're so handsome. Oh, you're so cute. You're cute as a button. Or you're so smart. 
you know, you, you have such great integrity. Uh, you're so creative. You're, you're, you know, you're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. Right. So in the homosexual community, when you're dealing with people who have struggled against a label that was by and large opposed by the world for like millennia, and now the whole media has flipped it and marketed it, marketed homosexuality to you and convinced you that this is what it really is. And people have embraced that lie because of something that's happened to them. We got to just be very careful um, because, you know, if you think of people this way, and, and this is a picture that um, may or may not resonate with you, but think of people this way. We all have skin, don't we? Right. Yeah, we do. Now, let's let's just pretend for a minute that your skin is like an onion. OK, so there's layers of skin that can come off and they they're jagged and rigid and and all that. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had a bad sunburn in my life before and my skin has gotten blistered. And so so when that blister, you know, comes to a, a situation where it's crusty and your skin begins to peel off, you can take something off gently and it's fine. There's no problem. But sometimes there's a piece of skin you think will come off gently, but it won't. It hurts like crazy when you pull and you're like, ah, and it pulls and you're like, ah, and you're like, okay, I got just, ah. and you're like, I don't know if I want to, <clears throat> and then you rip it off, right? <laughs> and you're like, ah, darn it. And then you're like bleeding because you rip more of your skin off. That's how people are with their emotions. And we never know how or what we will do or say and how that's going to impact somebody. Um, and so we have to be careful. And, I, and you know, um, I, I will say, and I'm going to say this, and this, some of you might be humored by this. But in Genesis, where we're talking, where we hear the phrase, you know, who am I, you know, am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> What's interesting is that you'll hear people say, oh, well, I'm my brother's keeper. And so I have to make sure blah, 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 blah. And they use the connotation is good when they say that. The connotation in, the, in Genesis when that phrase is talked about is completely negative. It was actually a sarcastic type comment like, well, you know, am I my brother's keeper? Where is he? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, Actually, you know, his blood is crying out from the ground, you know. So we are not called to be our brother's keeper, contrary to what most people think, because they don't read the word in its context or understand it. But we are called to be responsible for our actions and how we approach people and how we interact with them. And are we perfect? No, I could, I could. I could tell you a couple stories right now and you would probably go, really? I go, uh-huh. And it didn't go too well. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, I've lived and learned and, you know, I've gotten older and hopefully a little wiser, right? So anyway, when addressing these issues, um, it's sometimes more loving to err on the side of um, being prudent um, and seeking to understand first. The issue of transgenderism is rampant right now. And under the Biden administration, we actually have somebody that believes that they're the opposite gender. They've medically mutilated their body, also known as had surgery. Um, they have passed psych evaluations to do it because you can't have the surgery without going through some type of psych evaluation. And I guarantee you dollars to donuts, they're on some type of psycho, uh, psycho, um, psychotropic medication, like an antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication or anti-psychotic med. Guarantee you. Because overwhelming people, overwhelming number of transgender individuals uh, have anxiety disorders or depression. These are comorbid disorders that are associated with that identification. So um, you can know that anytime you talk to somebody who's within the homosexual community, 
or the LGBT, the transgender community, almost 100% of the time, I will say in very rare instances, this isn't true, but I would guarantee almost in every instance where I've met anybody in that community, they've been on some type of psychotropic medication for anxiety or depression. And there's a reason for that. It's because these things um, go hand in hand with that struggle of identity. Because somewhere in their life, something happened where that seed was planted and it took root. And what I can tell you is that God can come in and he can change the root and he can heal anybody in that community who is seeking truth. Um, and I've talked to a number of those people on the show. I've experienced that um, thought change myself because at one point I thought I was gay and that's why I went to therapy. And when I talked to my therapist, she asked me why I was there. I said, well, I think I'm gay. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, I had this um, interaction with a friend at the time um, where we kissed each other. And it freaked me out. And I went to therapy and I talked about it. And then I started talking about my life. And my therapist is like, well, you know, it could be you, meet, you need a mother and you were abused. And why don't we talk about this? Let's talk about boundaries. Let's talk about, um, you know, how we can establish and change things. And I did. And God was very gracious and, and healed me of that. And what's even more amazing about that is that my friend that we, that we did that, 30 years ago, something like that, um, we went through a very long period of not, anyway, I, I got thrown out of the church and anyway, anyway, a whole bunch of stuff happened and, um, and it was about five or six years ago. Well, anyway, we connected on Facebook, um, cause she was married and, and, and anyway, long story short, about five or six years ago. This friend and this friend drove from t Texas to meet me here at my house. She met my husband. I met another friend of hers that she drove here with. Uh, and we had a reconciliation. We had a time of prayer together. We both knelt on my floor in my dining room, in my, my living room area. We thanked the Lord for what he did in her life, what he did in my life, uh, our marriages, um, and we prayed for the pastor that both hurt us. And there was this amazing forgiveness and grace that came out of that. And to this day, all these years later, despite the fact that we had an interaction that took place, which was sinful and wrong, and we both knew it. She knew it. I knew it. God healed it. And now she's one of my bigger supporters of my show here. <laughs> you know, so God is good. And when things are dealt with appropriately, there's victory there. And what's really cool for, for, for her and me is that she went into her therapy. I went into mine. We dealt with stuff in our marriages. And, and God was just really, really good. So, you know, um, so I just share that. You know, it's vulnerable. It's true, though. It's real. And um, there, there is healing. So, unfortunately, though, uh, what's happening in our culture now that we have a Biden administration. There's an article over on the Washington Post um, titled, With a More Gay-Friendly Administration in Place, What's Next on the LGBT Rights Agenda? Why is this important? I'll tell you why it's important. It's important because as a disciple of Christ and a Bible believer, um, I believe God's word says that homosexuality is a sin and I don't believe it's to be celebrated. And I do believe that when a culture and a nation advocates for it, that we're under God's judgment. And that's, I know a lot of people don't like that, but the reality is, is it's true. Um, this is what this article says. It says here, um, uh, Transportation Secretary Pete uh, Buttigieg, I guess, I'm not sure how to say that. I'm just going to say Pete. You all know I mean Pete. I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Made history Wednesday when he was sworn, as, sworn in as the first openly gay cabinet member in U.S. history. 
President Biden has signed executive orders that included repealing the transgender military ban and banning discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation. By the way, gender identity and sexual orientation are made up words from the homosexual lobby, just so you know. Gay rights groups have celebrated these moves, trumpeting them as a pivot away from the Trump era in which more than 200 bills were introduced in state houses in 2020 alone that LGBT leaders said were a threat to gay rights. But these efforts happening under Biden, whose vocal support of same-sex marriage while Vice President won him praise for many gay Americans must continue, these leaders say, if equity between gay and straight Americans is reached. So much progress has been made relatively quickly in recent years, but LGBT rights advocates have a list of areas where they would like to see more advancements for their cause. Here are three things they want to see happen next. And this is, this is um, important to know. Passage of the Equality Act. The House passed the, the Equality Act legislation banning discrimination based on sexual orientation in 2019, uh, but then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell did not take up the bill in Senate, which we were all happy about. <laughs> Alfonso David, the president and chief executive of the Human Rights Campaign, one of the largest gay rights groups in the United States, said that encouraging the Democratic Senate to sign the Equality Act into legislation in his, is his organization's number one legislative priority. The Equality Act would provide comprehensive legal protections to LGBTQ people in all 50 states. Some would say... Why would you need the Equality Act if Biden has already issued an executive order banning discrimination in federal agencies? Well, we need the Equality Act because in 29 states, we don't have comprehensive legal protections. If I wanted to leave and travel to one of those states, I could face discrimination in one of those states. The bill, which would need the support of 60 senators, including Republicans, to pass in the Senate, would make it illegal to discriminate against LGBT people in housing, employment, jury duty, public education, and other areas. It would make existing anti-LGBT discrimination ordinances nationwide obsolete. So it would basically give carte blanche to the whole LGBT lobby with special rights. And I will say that because they would be special rights, not, you know, Further increase LGBT representation in politics, increasing the number of historically underrepresented groups in top levels of government has been a hallmark of Biden's administration so far, including having the first female vice president in U.S. history. Leaders of the Victory Institute say that has to include getting more LGBT Americans appointed to top government positions in this administration. Victory has advocated on behalf of dozens of LGBT individuals, including that Pete guy and Rachel Levine, uh, who would become the first openly transgender federal official to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Our position is if we put the right people in the right places, they will do the right things, said Anise Parker, president of the Victory Institute, a D.C.-based organization that aims to get more LGBT officials in government. Having individuals from the LGBT community in positions to shape policy could be key to making sure that the concerns of gay of the gay community are considered by government's top decision makers. Decisions about LGBTQ lives and health and livelihood are better made when we're part of the conversation, but we're not being talked about, but when we're being talked with, Parker said. And more focus on addressing AIDS. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, an estimated 1.2 million people in the United States had HIV in 2018. While it's not a disease exclusive to the LGBT community, black, gay, and bisexual men accounted for one in four new diagnoses this year. Just a little note about AIDS. In case you didn't know your gay history, uh, AIDS was originally named gay-related immune deficiency syndrome, GRIDS for short. Uh, David Kupelian actually documents that in his book, The Marketing of um, Evil which you can check out. It's still available, I'm sure, I'm sure at World Net Daily or Amazon, but it was originally called GRID. And the gay activist community lobbied to change the name GRID, Gay-Related Immune Deficiency Syndrome, to AIDS, Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, because they didn't want AIDS associated with the gay community. 
But the reality is the overwhelming amount of people that have HIV and AIDS are homosexual. Uh, it says here, before becoming a household name during the coronavirus pandemic, Anthony Fauci, now Biden's chief medical advisor, aren't we lucky, uh, was one of the nation's foremost contributors to HIV AIDS research as the head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. By the way, another fun backstory to the whole grid thing. Uh, there's a paper, uh, Dr. Standmine Teeth, who's now with the Lord, great guy. Uh, he was a great broadcaster. He actually talks about this paper. I have a copy of it somewhere. But it's basically the history of how AIDS, the AIDS virus was created by the government and given specifically to the homosexual community to wipe them out. And what happened was the the background to the, most people don't know this, but it's been documented. I've actually read the paper myself and it's written by a doctor. And I will tell you that the media way back in the 80s, when this all came out, they did this big, huge spin and they did the spin about AIDS in Africa and, you know, and it, it, it came from here and then it came over here and it did all this stuff and then. And, and then people like Oprah Winfrey got on the TV and started talking about it. And then soap operas like General Hospital, uh, they began doing the storylines in General Hospital. I used to watch GH all the time, so I know this. And, and one of the things in GH that they did was they, they had the nurses ball. And the nurses ball every year was all about uh, raising money to uh, to to give to the AIDS research, right? AIDS research, and then there was the AIDS quilts, and you know, and all that stuff. <clears throat> um, but the backstory is is the government developed that disease and gave it to the gay community. So, just so you know, what you've been taught in the media isn't always accurate, and. That's one reason why I personally will never get the coronavirus vaccine. Because if they can do it with AIDS and target a community, who's to say they're not doing it with a vaccine to target the elderly or any other community they don't want around? Look, the, the elite is a real thing. The New World Order is a real thing. The Deep State is a real thing. Bill Gates is devil himself. I mean, he is definitely on, say... he, he's, a, he's on the devil's side anyway. And his goal is to wipe people and to reduce the population. And he's behind everything that we're currently living through right now. So if it was me, I would not, I would urge no one to get the vaccine. <laughs> no way, Jose, not in a million years. Uh-uh, not going to happen. No way. Do you know who, you know, there's not nice people leading our government, people. <laughs> or the world, just saying. Uh, these are people who believe in death on demand. They believe murdering babies in the womb is great. They believe advocating for things that God calls an abomination is normal. Why would I want to trust them with my medical care? There's no way. No way. And Fauci, uh... You know, he's now in part of the Biden administration and and he's the guy that told us all to wear a mask. Oh, wait, don't wear a mask. No, wait, now you got to wear two masks. No, wait, no, you don't want to do that. Nah, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, <laughs> just saying. Um, yeah, anyway, let me just finish with <clears throat> finish this article anyway. So it says here, uh, we know it can be done, John said. We've seen the results of federal government leaders of industry and other well-resourced actions coming together for crisis. Then President Donald Trump made headlines in 2019 by promising to end the HIV AIDS epidemic, but he did not elaborate on how exactly he would do that. In a statement that same year on World's Aid, World AIDS Day, Biden said the United States must strategically integrate our HIV AIDS programs into a broader health and development agenda. As Johns prepares for the National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day on February 7th, which is tomorrow, he said he looks forward to the administration detailing how they will respond to the challenges of living with AIDS with the same urgency as they have the coronavirus, which dispro disproportionately harms Black and Latino Americans. 
in this moment, there's no better time than now to use the same thought ingenuity, the same level of commitment, the level of prioritization of creating space for folks to collaborate, to find solutions that should be invested in responding to the HIV AIDS, HIV AIDS epidemic. I, I personally think they already have a solution to it. But because these people are purveyors of death, um, they're never going to let that out. But that's just my opinion. Um, let's end the show with some good news here. Uh, Liberty Council uh, just released this today. This is titled The Supreme Court of the United States Ends California's Total Worship Ban. Uh, it says here the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministry and partially granted the injunction pending appeal in the federal lawsuit against Governor California Governor Gavin Newsom's total ban on indoor worship. This was the second time Liberty Council appealed to the High Court on behalf of these churches. The ruling also included South Bay United Pentecostal Church. Uh, Liberty Council represents Harvest Rock Church, him and Pastor Shi Han. In a 6-3 decision, the Supreme Court enjoined California from enforcing the total ban on worship in the Blueprints Tier 1 pending disposition of the case at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and a petition for writ of certiorari to the Supreme Court. A majority held that instead of the total ban, California may impose a 25% building capacity limit in Tier 1. Based on the current record, a majority did not enjoin the ban on signing and chanting singing rather and chanting, but did conclude that could be further addressed on remand. Justices Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor dissented. Of course, they're the liberals. Justices Thomas, Gorsuch, and Alito would have granted the injunction against Tier 1 and against the singing and chanting ban. While the court wrote several times that the churches may present additional evidence of the discriminatory, discriminatory treatment on the singing and chanting ban, Justice Gorsuch noted that California exempts music and TV production for the entertainment industry where singing is permitted. He noted that California's scheme is confusing and that on this record, he would hold that against the state and enjoin the ban on singing and chanting in places of worship. I'm not going to read this whole thing. Anyway, the point is, is that California got a little bit of good news. The other, the other good news is that California, um, you know, they're put, they're, they're, they're trying to get Gavin Newsom recalled, the governor there, uh, and they're actually doing the, the last I heard, they have over a million and a half uh, signatures uh, to do that, and and also Newsom's rate, I think his approval rating is under thirty percent now, uh, so the the um, the Christians in in California are awoke <laughs> they're being awokened anyway i mean they're, they're they've been kind of um persecuted for a while and if you're in california and you're a believer you know let me encourage you from god's word it says it says don't lose heart in doing good for in due time you will reap if you do not grow weary god will bring good out of what's going on in california so don't lose heart with what, what's going on there. Consider it um, an opportunity to um, share the gospel in an underground church kind of way. Because really, in a sense, that's kind of what's going on. And I would also encourage you to go to places like Jack Hibbs Church uh, and some of the other churches where they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't care. I, I'm going to obey God rather than man here, and I'm going to continue to worship God and trust him with what's going to happen. And if it turns out I have to go to jail, I'll go to jail and have a prison ministry. Um, and that's easy to say, hard to do, but you know what? We would just be joining other Christians all around the world and throughout history with the same type of treatment that they've received. Just because we're Americans doesn't mean we're exempt from persecution, you know? And times may get harder. But I will tell you this. If we're blessed to suffer with Christ, then we can be like Paul and say, you know, we're blessed that we've been able to suffer with Christ. Right? For all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
Um, the world, if you're a friend of the world, you're, you're an enemy of God. So you got to make a choice. Are you going to befriend that world and say, hey, I'm going to do this because I might have temporary relief? Or are you going to be, you know, a friend of God and take what comes to you, you know? Uh, it's sobering times. And America is under God's judgment. I believe that with all my heart. I've been talking about it for years. <laughs> and we are now at that at that that thing. But you know what? Here's what I also know. When the church is persecuted, it grows. Uh, and, uh, and so for those of you who are not being persecuted yet because you're a follower of Christ, may I urge you and exhort you to pray for those who are in chains. Pray for those who are being attacked legally. Pray for those who are losing their jobs. Pray for those whose voices are being suppressed because they're followers of Christ and they hold his precepts and his principles true. Now, the Bible says that we are in bonds with those who are in bonds. We should weep with those who weep. We should rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's what being the body is about. So let's do that. Let's pray right now, and then we'll end tonight's show. Father, I just want to say thank you for your word. And Lord, we do pray for those who are being, um, you know, who are suffering for you uh, tonight. Uh, Lord, those who are suffering because they've stood for your truth, uh, Lord, because they vocalized a biblical principle, because they have stood firmly with what your written word says. Father, we pray that you would bless those people. I pray that you would strengthen them. I ask that you would bring your provision and your, your, um, your um, peace to my brothers and my sisters who have um, had to deal with these things. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the hands that are weak, that you would strengthen the hearts of those who are, who are grieving, that you would um, encourage those who need that encouragement, and that you would, um, Father, just continue to conform people to your image. And Lord, I pray also for those who are doing the persecuting. Uh, Lord, sometimes those people are the ones, like Paul, who have the greatest call on their lives, as you know when you called Paul, who was Saul, out of his life of persecuting your people. Lord, I pray for those people, and I ask that you would raise up people out of that community. I pray, Lord, for Dan Savage, and I lift up Rachel Maddow, and I look up people like Rosie O'Donnell and Ellen, and, um, you know, people, Father, uh, you know, John Aravosis over at America Blog, one of the largest gay blogs in the thing. And, um, you know, Joe, Joe Jervis, Lord, I lift him up to you and many others, father, who are homosexual and lesbian activists who are out there advocating on behalf of, um, things that you're opposed to. I pray for them. And I ask father that you bring them all to a place of repentance. Father for Pam Spaulding, who I know is a lesbian activist, Lord, I pray for her that you would bring her out of that. And Lord, that you would allow her <laughs> to write for you instead. Uh, Lord, you did it with Rosaria Butterfield. You've done it with uh, Ann Polk. You've done it with numerous people, Father. Janet Boynes and, and Stephen Black. And, and a lot of my friends, Father, you've delivered from, these, from, from, from that behavior. And you've raised them up for such a time as this. Lord, we pray for those people. Lord, I pray for Randy Thomas. I ask, Father, that you break his heart and bring him back to your side, that he would um, come out of the homosexual lifestyle and Dan, his so-called husband, would as well. Uh, Lord, we know that you can deliver anybody, and so we do pray for them. And um, and we just, just ask that you help us walk in your ways, Lord. Um. Blessed are they, those whose ways are blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Lord, we just pray that you would bless those who do that. And I thank you, and I lift this up to you. And to all you out there who agree with this, just say amen, and we'll, we'll end the show. Amen. <laughs> all right, so tomorrow night, Bareface is going to, I don't know, are you going to do a show tomorrow? Yes. Okay. Randall will do a show tomorrow. Please keep us both in prayer still. We're still not feeling 100, 100% yet. I'm, I still got congestion, as you could probably tell. Um, Randall's still feeling a little bit nauseous and stuff. Um, 
so we could still need God's strength and healing, uh, but we're here. Um, and I just ask that you would, you know, keep us in prayer. Also, if you want to donate to our show, you can do that over at BibleNewsRadio.com. The donation will go to our nonprofit, Heart Tug International. And that's nonprofit tax deductible gift you can give there as well. All right. So I hope you have a good night. Thank you guys for uh, what you're doing. Do, do me a favor. Go give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. And uh, write somebody a note of encouragement. Be the gospel in writing to somebody this week. Um, it might encourage you more than you know. Okay? Be bold. Stand up. Go with God. Because he loves you. Yeah, he does. Thank <laughs> you.